0: Find them on the dial at 92.9 FM. Stream them live at kvre.com. RE-MAX of Hot Springs Village. The award-winning RE-MAX of Hot Springs Village is the largest real estate office inside the village with over 30 full-time agents and support staff. Visit them to learn more about this beautiful place to solve your real estate needs. Call them today at 1-800-364-9007. Find them online at explorehsv.com. They are Remax of Hot Springs Village at 1-800-364-9007 or online at explorehsv.com. Ike Eisenhower State Farm. Ike and his award-winning team have been serving the insurance needs of folks all around Hot Springs Village since 1998. Ike has qualified for State Farm's President's Club, Chairman's Circle, and Hot Springs Village Insurance Agent of the Year. Call Ike Eisenhower State Farm today at 501-984-4100. That's 501-984-4100. Find them online at IkeEisenhower.net. Call them today for all your insurance needs because like a good neighbor, Ike Eisenhower State Farm is there.
1: And we're back with Mr. Ernie Deaton this time. Ernie, things have changed a little, haven't they? How many years were you at Cooper and where are you at now?
2: 38 years at Cooper Communities. 38 and uh, years. Just had, a, had an opportunity to uh, help to maybe be a little use some of that uh, experience to maybe teach some younger people uh, a little more about the engineering profession. And so I, I had a, a customer, a company, Anderson Engineering that is based in Springfield. That's where the home office is, I have I think 11 offices from everywhere from Kansas City to Destin and yeah. everywhere in between.
1: Now, now you said Springfield, which is not Springdale, so Springfield, Correct. Missouri, right?
2: Springfield, Missouri is where Anderson Engineering started uh, as a concrete company, actually, and they they actually started in the same year Cooper Community started, 1954. But since the early 2000s, I believe they've been an ESOP and an employee-owned company. Yeah. And, uh, we have now about 220, uh, staff members, uh, company wide, and, uh, that's grown considerably in the last three or four years. And and I
1: didn't, I didn't know when I asked, but I mean, how's the next generation you, you had alluded to that. I'd love to hear that story.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, 20 and 30 somethings have a little different way of looking at life than, than people of my age group. Whatever that age group is, it shall not be discussed. We don't need to exactly. go into that. Right? It's somewhere. Yeah. Well, it's somewhere way north of fifty. How's that? it's, so it's, it's on the back end of since, fifty. Since I since I worked at one place for thirty eight years, and we know I probably didn't start there when I was ten, then uh, you know it's yeah uh, yeah simple math. So, so yeah math. yeah, but but I'm still young enough at heart to uh, to be interested in all of it and enjoy it. And, uh, and especially as I call them teaching these kids, how, how the old boomers did things <laughs> and, uh, and, and they teach me things all the time too. So, so it, it's are, a,
1: are you taking your abacus to the, in
2: the field and, and showing yeah. your slide rule or how do you do this? You know, what I'm really learning is that most of my examples of things, whether it's a TV show or something like that, they all look at me like, what, <laughs> you know, whether it's, you know, you know, when we did Diamante, we we did Diamante's partnership with Bob Dedman from club Corp. Yep. and Mr. Deadman, the way that we made that partnership was he and John Cooper jr. were on Walmart's board together.
1: Oh, and, mis-
2: and Mr. Deadman was from Ryzen, Arkansas which is way down in South Arkansas. And he and H.L. Hunt, who was uh, – H.L. Hunt was the model that was used for J.R. Ewing on the TV show Dallas. Was it now? So that's what that character was based on, was H.L. Hunt. And, of course, Mr. Deadman was his right hand. Mr. Deadman was an attorney, so he did all the land deals for Hunt and hunt oil. And they they pumped most of the oil out of the smack over oil field down near El Dorado. And then they moved to Dallas and that's where they really uh, went to work and made a lot of money. And Mr. Dedman told me one time that he, he decided that there was only two ways to get wealthy. And one of them was to marry a rich lady. And then the other one was to be an attorney for 30 years and this was if he was an attorney and, and then marry a rich woman. So he said, <laughs> that's when he decided to get into the golf business was because he was never going to get rich being HL Hunt's attorney. So, yeah. and he, he became a, a billionaire. So he did get wealthy wow. owning, you know, club corp owned golf courses like Pinehurst and uh, Barton Creek and Austin and uh, a bunch of courses around Dallas Glen Haven and, uh, really? and then Firestone country club and they, they had quite a portfolio, but, um, yeah, he, he was an interesting old character. But when I use that analogy for my younger, for the kids here about <laughs> the TV show, Dallas, they all look at me like we we've never, what, what we've never heard of the TV show, Dallas so, ever, or much less J.R. Hewing. Exactly.
1: So, so I, I was going through, uh, uh, through hot Springs park and, uh, we're, I've got a little, uh, about a 40 pound Sheltie mix, black and tan, beautiful little dog. who's was a sweetheart. His name was Cisco. And, uh, lady said, he's so cute. What is he? I said, well, he's a little Sheltie mix. I said, it's, it's like a lassie you left in the dryer too long. Mm-hmm. And she looked she square in the eye and said, who's Lassie?
2: Didn't know what Lassie was. Yeah. Well, that's when we know that we're getting at that age, but the, the, um, the Anderson engineering experience has been incredible. It's, it's, uh, it, it's me getting to look at the, this business from the opposite side of being a land developer, because now I that's what we do is we work for all these land developers that I used to be one of. So So I I kind of bring a a different, a unique perspective to our customers to the table because basically anything they're doing, I've done it. And you you set it up initially, maybe. Yeah. And they don't find it. They don't find that very often in the consulting, engineering and surveying field that the people doing the design work for them actually understand uh, every A to Z. You know, from thinking about buying a piece of property to how much will we make if we do this? So, exactly. exactly. So it, I, it's
1: no. I've got to ask: can you, can, Is there an example you can give us? I mean, I, I, it sounds fascinating, but I mean, something that it doesn't have to be a project necessarily you worked on, but from from Anderson's viewpoint, they're helping POAs, or how, how do they do that?
2: Well, no. So so. Uh, Let's a company will come to like there's a company that approached us a few two or three months ago that wants to develop uh, homes that would be luxury rental homes in northwest Arkansas. And, um, you know, that's that's an interesting market because there are quite a few. If you want to rent rent a three bedroom, three bath apartment in downtown Bentonville or Rogers right now, or even in the outskirts here around the interstate, you will pay upwards of 3000 a month rent for a three bedroom, three bath apartment. Really? And if you're from San Francisco, that sounds very cheap to you. <laughs> they're like, wow, how do you get away with that? Right. That's and, what they're and thinking. There's a, there's a lot of that in, really? in this area. And so, you know, one of our examples is, is a, customer who's interested in building, um, you know, something to compete with that, but a single family product. And so right. since I developed residential real estate for 38 years, I, I, you know, we, we have, we have a lot of mutual, uh, understanding of how, you know, how we go about doing things. So absolutely fascinating. For, for those of you who join
1: in, let me catch up real quick. Ernie Deaton started one of your first jobs. Was it your first job? I mean, professionally as, as an engineer with Cooper?
2: Uh, It was yes. Directly out of college, went to work in Bella Vista, 1984, was there a year and a half. And then they decided we needed an engineer in hot Springs village. And that's how that connection started.
1: Did they move you down here full time or what?
2: They did. Yes. In in October of 1985, did you think to yourself, good Lord, what have I got into? Well, we my uh, family were were all from central Arkansas. So we were we were fine leaving the great white north of northwest Arkansas (laughs) and getting back to a more reasonable climate. God's country. God's country, as we call it. Exactly. Where I could actually see pine trees. again, (laughs) Not just cedars. Right yes
1: exactly Uh, and for those of you that don't know and once again five mile high view here roughly (laughs) over my shoulder here from from here to russellville um maybe 45 50 miles and right at the 40 Mm -hmm. interchange the 40 highway brag on the other side of 40 it turns into cedar tree heck i mean it's Mm -hmm. there's cedar tree south of that it's pine trees north of that it's primarily cedars. so no i know exactly what you're going as someone who's highly allergic to cedars yeah. I remember that very well. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. so they got you down here. You looked around, you said to yourself, okay, I'm the engineer. Give me a day to day. What would you be working on? What would you be doing?
2: Well, in 85, we had Lake Balboa was in the middle of, the dam was probably 30 feet high at that point and under construction. And that dam is, you know, finished is about 90 feet high. So it was a third of the way constructed. If you go on volume of material, it was about halfway constructed because obviously those dams get narrower as they get taller. And, uh, but, uh, so Lake Balboa was under construction. Balboa golf course was under construction. We were building and selling about 2000 new lots a year, a year, uh, a year. Yeah. Wow so and there are developments that would be thrilled if they ever sold 2000 units right 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 and uh, I, we developed a community in <clears throat> kansas outside of kansas city in raymore missouri and that was that and it's it's almost finished a thousand acres uh total finished it'll be around 12 to 1300 home sites and when people talk about that and how big it is I I basically can say this is almost this is probably about the smallest thing we ever did so yeah
1: I hadn't thought about that but yeah and and, you know you you mentioned last time and thanks again for being on with us but uh, I remember you mentioned last time that you had flown all over the country looking for places to have developments Mm -hmm. and so forth and I'm just curious because the the bigger places (laughs) let's face it are going away or are gone I cannot imagine in today's economy or today's environment building another village like this can you i mean i can't see twenty six thousand more acres um permit
2: wise it's impossible yeah you you can't you i you know the list of things that you could no longer get a permit to do uh lakes are number one
1: well i was going to ask you were talking about building and and, i'm sorry but i've always wanted to ask this Mm -hmm. you were talking about building lake balboa you know and and when you came onto the scene it was you know a third done or something like that mm-hmm. the the hydrology study for this must have
2: taken years did it not i'm assuming mm-hmm. i mean and not years i mean we we had a team uh i believe there were 15 engineers working for cooper consultants the engineering part of cooper communities when i came to work at the company and there were two or three of those guys that were Exp- they were they were very much experts in uh designing those dams uh mr mr gore jim gore uh, had been with john cooper senior since 1954 in cherokee village and 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 jim gore had designed under his direction they had designed all of those dams there there are several lakes in in cherokee village there are Oh, seven or eight lakes in Bella Vista. You've got, what, 10 lakes or 12 lakes or whatever in Hot Springs Village. Um, most of those, up until the late 1980s, were all done under Jim Gore's direction. Really? And and so, uh And
1: you said uh, yeah, just
2: that, being virtually impossible to get that kind of permit these days. There, It's totally impossible. When I got the permit to build Creekmore Lake in Raymore, Missouri, and that would have been in about 2004, uh, they told me at Missouri DNR, don't ever plan on building another lake like this again, because all the issues that that they study in streamside mitigation uh, credits, and uh, oh. you know, uh, uh, the inundation of areas that are not inundated, where certain species of uh, organisms live in a Creekside environment that cannot survive in a inundated lake environment. And there's enough involvement with, you know, all of that, that, that people just say, we don't want to do this anymore.
1: How big was that lake? If I can just curious, uh,
2: 115 acres. You're joking. Hmm. We call
1: those oh. ponds. You know, I, right. I, I joke about the the ponds on the East End. No disrespect, people, but you know, ours ours is not a big lake. Two hundred and ten Cortez is one hundred and eighty or something like that, and and you mm. know Coronado six hundred, Balboa's is around a thousand. But but all that said, I, the hydrology. The anyway, so it just couldn't be built again. Is what I'm hearing, right? Just because you couldn't get the permits.
2: To build it, correct. You know,
1: for for probably 23, 24 years, I've been buying and selling properties in Hot Springs Village. And probably, I bet I've had this question a dozen times. Like, well, have you had an EPA study? Mm -hmm. And and I thought, do you mean for sewer or whatever? No, they meant just an EPA study for this one lot that's already been platted and plotted. And I thought, oh, my Lord, Cooper has taken care of all this decades Mm -hmm. ago. And it, it's, it's not immutable in stone, but it's effectively that way. And, you know, uh, we're, we're working another issue that we'll dis- discuss later, but uh, I'm working with an, a land sales, a land attorney, and he made note that POAs and HOAs in the whole scope of history at land re- re- uh, law are new. They're really, really mm-hmm. new. I mean, they're just about the last 50 years. Is that right?
2: Uh, I would say that's correct. I, I would, you know, Cooper, the what we called it in Cherokee Village in 1954 was a suburban improvement district. And and then in Bella Vista, I believe they did call it a property owners association in 1965. So, yeah, in the last 60, 55, 60 years, uh, you know, that and and the suburban improvement district in Cherokee Village, I think what they were responsible for was a little bit different. I, I'm I'm not positive of this, but it, it seems like I recall that some of the parameters of what they were responsible for was a little different than our POAs, like you have in Hot Springs Village, and they have in Telico and Savannah Lakes and Bella Vista, and and uh, uh, then. When you got on, like, to Glade Springs Village, uh, and uh, you know, our West Virginia community, um, it, it, it got a little bit different still in what what the re, you know, responsibilities were. Well, for those the one at Bella Vista, if
1: I'm uh, not Bella Vista, but the one at Cherokee Village, I don't know, I don't know, but about the time I was getting started, there were. Hundreds and even thousands of properties coming on the market because the Suburban Improvement District, And for, for what it's worth, I want to make this extremely clear. The POA is not a guaranteed entity to exist. It can fail. Mm. It, it you, the, you can mismanage. And, and I think Cooper tried to put in as many guardrails as they could to try and keep well-meaning mm. people
2: from blowing up the ship. Is that fair enough? <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, you guys have an interesting history over the past few years, don't you?
1: We do, don't we? That's a, that's a polite, that's a polite way to say it, Ernie. I think it is. Is is that where you were going with that? No, I really wasn't. I really wasn't. (laughs) I knew that the suburban, the suburban district in Cherokee village, I didn't know if they failed or whatever, but it's, it's not a done deal. It's a living, breathing organism and it needs maintenance and you got to keep it up, right? Or else the wheels will fall off. Yeah.
2: Well, I spent about a year of my life back in what was it around 2018, maybe 2017, mm-hmm. nine, time flies, mm-hmm. um, trying to make sure that the way that Cooper had created the Hot Springs Village Property Owners Association and uh, planned for it to exist, uh, that that way of life was
1: maintained as opposed to, and let's just get it out of the room here, as opposed to being challenged by
2: a CMP. Uh, Well, yeah. And, and, and the, you know, the, the idea that, um, you could take large, uh, sections of property that Cooper had developed and made a part of the hot Springs village POA and, and just wipe them off the map basically and start over with your own development. Um, and the, uh, you know, the financial ramifications and and just the viability of, of you know, and of course, this is in anybody's opinion. It, it's my opinion might totally be di- was definitely totally different than some of the people that were involved in that at the time. And maybe my opinion would be correct and maybe theirs. But. All that we knew was it wasn't the way that we created it and promised people that it would be. I think that's very well
1: put, Ernie. I think that's very well put. And 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 I will. I you know. I, I the Cooper is is renowned for falling on the sword when it's their fault. I got it. I appreciate that about them. What I think people don't recognize is is that it's easy to say, oh those those corporate profit squeezing blah blah. You know what? Cooper could have been a lot more effective on on, uh, if they were just out for money, they had a different method to do, they were out to be a good business that treated people fairly and gave them what they
2: said they offered. Is that fair? I can. Yes. And I can say John Cooper, the third and the Cooper communities board in that time felt a very strong uh, um, you know responsibility to live up to what john cooper senior and john cooper jr and the cooper communities uh staff over the years had created and for it to remain the way that they created it and and because promises were made Mm -hmm. to every single person who purchased a, a home site from cooper communities in hot springs village yep that this is the way that we're setting up this Property Owners Association. Here are the responsibilities of this Property Owners Association. And uh, we're going to do what we, everything that we can to ensure that what you are sold is what you get.
1: Well, and it's funny you should say that because we were talking about, uh, Randy and I were talking not too long ago about Balboa, uh, Balboa Golf Course. Now, mm-hmm. you know, the, the lake is the stunner and everybody, that's a huge draw on amenity. Well, well, Although golf course, I think personally is, is a fantastic facility. Mm-hmm. Yes, it needs maintenance. Yes, we need to fix it up. Yes, we're working on that. But man, if you if you pull it out and make it stand on its own, it's kind of impressive, the building, mm-hmm. the, the whole nine yards. That said, there was a discussion, an inane discussion of people that are low knowledge. How about that? Uh, that we would just close Balboa golf course because it had a big expensive building and and we could just close it and it would just make a nice meadow out behind people's houses. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it's exactly what you touched on, Ernie. People were promised things. There's going to be a golf house golf course behind your house. There's going to be a golf pond behind your house. This is how they weren't promised. Well, you know, 20 years down the road, we may try to rezone it and just take it away and do something else Mm -hmm. with it. Am
2: I right? Right. And, and look, In hindsight, well, I mean, times change. And if you know anything about Northwest Arkansas, you know that thanks to a certain family who's very wealthy and, and live up here um, and their foundation um, that uh, we have several hundred miles of single track mountain bike trails here now. And if you go, basically to any Airbnb or Verbo or hotel parking lot, 12 months out of the year, you will see more vehicles or trailers with more mountain bikes, gravel bikes, road bikes. Um, And that influx, let's just say in Bella Vista alone, has created a new market for homes in Bella Vista, that was, you know, not as not nearly as strong five or ten years ago. Um, today, I would say you probably can't buy a house in Bella Vista for less than one hundred and fifty dollars a square foot. Nothing, um, and, and and you can buy some in Bella Vista that are three or four hundred dollars a square foot, especially if they back up to one of those mountain bike trails, and a lot of them do. Where you can ride right out the back door and be on an eighty-mile-long mountain bike trail, Um, and and so uh, you know there's a lot of partners in that, but the the key partner is the Walton Family Foundation, and um, you know those uh, the golf courses in Bella Vista are not quite as not nearly as well used as they used to be. Um, But the truth is that they still maintain them and they still the people who live on those golf courses deserve for them to be maintained. And they deserve, in my opinion, for them to budget their POA revenue dollars to maintain the things that Cooper said. You know, there used to be a pie chart that Cooper created for each village and this is how much, what percentage of the pie chart is to be used for maintaining the amenities? This is the percentage that's be used to be main to maintain the streets, the you know utilities, the drainage systems. Uh, to this is how much is to be used to employ the staff that's required. And, you know, all of those things were well thought out by Cooper Communities. I had Long somebody. Be- Sorry. Long before I came along. <laughs> I had somebody tell me one time, they said, well, you know, the the
1: Cooper is still the developer and they can decree anything to the POA or whatever that they want. You know, well, why should they be able to do that? And I said, you know, when you build your own city, you'll get to do that too. Exactly. <laughs> when, yeah. when you spend 50 plus years building your own city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you can do that. And, and it would be easy for people to say, well, they're just money grubbing whatever. No, it, I loved what you said, Ernie the promises were made mm-hmm. promises were made and, and Cooper's still dedicated to make sure those were, were fulfilled. Tell us, and we a few minutes that we have left here, take us back to the good old days. What was it like when you were grabbing a hard hat and blowing stuff up with uh, dynamite? Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> oh, right. I don't know. Granddad. Let's tell see. us what it was like. Granddad. Yeah, what's, what a, was what's like. a good
2: story. Uh, well, you mentioned but,
1: earlier before we hit the button, I want, don't want to, don't forget you mentioned Demonte. Why Demonte was such a beast.
2: Well, diamante um, was first thought up. Um, at least the part of it. Well, well, we knew we were going to do uh, uh, more golf courses after ponds because mainly because. And I heard John Cooper Jr. say this in a meeting at Coronado one time, where he said, "You know, our salespeople were were our greatest asset because they created our master plan in their minds and on their tours." And he said, when dad and I originally dreamed up Hot Springs Village, we planned on building two golf courses. And at that time, I think we were on course number six. And he said, (laughs) as long as our salespeople keep promising we're going to build more golf courses, I guess we better keep building them. So, uh, you you, you know, promises were made. Promises were made. Exactly. We knew that Diamante was going to be the next course. And Diamante, the dream of how that happened the way it did. And the the length of it was in Augusta, Georgia, in a rental house that John Daly was renting. And I was there and Rick Ross was there. Rick was one of the golf pros at, and he was John's teaching pro. He was one of the golf pro. He was the golf pro at Ponce de Leon originally and was instrumental in John Daly showing up and doing the grand opening of Ponce de Leon three weeks after he won the PGA championship in 1991. And so, we went with we went down there and and hung out with John the first three years he played in the masters. And the second year we were there, we were sitting at a kitchen table in a house that he was renting. And he looked at me and he said, Ernie, I want to be a golf course designer. And I said, John, you need to stick to playing golf. <laughs> and um in love. So, in love. This yeah, is not your, your area. Exactly. Exactly. It was like, you know what? Uh being a great golfer does not make you a great golf course designer unless but you're your naming Jack me- Nicholas
1: did you tell him you wanted
2: to be on the PGA tour too or what did it know? Well, he, he knew that that was my dream, but he knew that, that I didn't have the talent for it. So he didn't worry too much about that, but <laughs> competition, but anyway, so what we did is we, we forged a relationship there where he was going to be a design consultant on the next golf course. And then we worked with, started working with club Corp and, and doing Diamante's master planning. And the first thing that we thought, because John Daly was the longest hitter on the PGA Tour back in those days, and so we thought, okay, we have to design one of the longest golf courses in the United States that's not in the mountains. You know, obviously, Rocky Mountain courses are so high that you can make them 9,000 yards long and the ball flies a lot further, but just Mm -hmm. for a regular typical, you know, golf course. And so, so we, we started looking into how long are golf courses and the worst one of all was that Momel country club right there outside of little rock was 7,400 and some odd yards long. And that's a story in and of itself that I won't get into, but the the entire course there's a course. Yeah. And so the, the, um, which is incredibly in those days was 500 yards longer than any other golf course in the state of Arkansas. And when Maumel was built. Yeah. And so yeah. what we had to do is we had to push the length of Diamante to make it longer than Maumel So it would be the longest golf course in the state of Arkansas. And uh, in, in doing that, uh, you know, all the par fours are at least 500 yards long, or I think there's four par fours that are 500 yards long uh, from the tips and the longest par five in that part of the free world And on hole 11. And so we did all of this as part of the notoriety of this is a John Daly signature golf course. And then John went to Greensboro, North Carolina, and played the first round of the Greater Greensboro Open, shot an 81, shaved his head. And it was on all the national news that John Daly, the famous golf pro, had shaved his head because he was mad because he shot an 81 on his opening round at Greater Greater Greensboro Open. And that was where the CEO of Cooper at the time said, OK, I like publicity, but I don't want bad publicity. And so let's not let's not go through with this plan to, you know, make make this part of you know a, a relationship and so with the relationship was ended uh but we still were stuck with a 7600 yard golf course
1: <laughs> but now, but 7600 yards has more homes on both sides and that's
2: you're very astute you should have been a developer <laughs> salesman basically, probably <laughs> basically every golf course that i was responsible for designing and building from that point on we tried to see how far we could push it just to get a few more lo- golf front lots. So you're, really? you're exactly right. Absolutely, it's like what? it doesn't it doesn't cost that much more because all you're doing is adding from from the back tee to the fairway. So oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It is. Yeah. Well, okay. But nosy question here. Well, I told people 20 years ago that, and, 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 and this sounds like an exaggeration, but you tell me. Uh, diamante was the closest thing to a failure that cooper did in my opinion because it's a gated community inside a gated community with much higher rates that you know on one side of the street i paid five hundred dollars a month on the other side i paid 36 you know and i know i'm matching oranges and apples but i mean i didn't understand i guess what my in mean, my point i didn't understand why why would you build a private community inside a private community i guess
2: Because at the time, every golf course that was open in Hot Springs Village was getting 60,000 rounds a year. Every course. Which meant whether you were playing Coronado, Cortez, DeSoto, Balboa, or Ponce de Leon, you were out there from 7.30 in the morning till dark fighting with every – it was packed. So Basically, every decent day, it was packed. So what you could do if you bought into Diamante – and became a member is you knew it was, it was capped at 450 members. Oh, I didn't know that. Absolutely. And so, so you didn't have to worry about there being 60,000 rounds a year being played on Diamante. You were, you were going to see 15 or 20, you were going to see a lot of days. You could go out there at two o'clock in the afternoon and be the only person on the golf course. Mm Mm-hmm. As opposed to every other golf course in Hot Springs Village, you were playing five and a half hour golf rounds because everybody was out there taking their sweet time playing around the golf mm-hmm. and it was packed and there might be three people, there might be three groups on one hole. Really? So, you so can,
1: it was, it was a premium, a more premium development for one.
2: For absolutely. Club that was, that was the whole point was, yes, with, was no. that, that, you know, you're paying, but do you know when diamante's members I think the the original dues were two hundred a month, yeah, yeah yeah, and at the time, the dues at uh oh let's say Pleasant Valley in Little Rock or Pinnacle up here in Northwest Arkansas were probably three or four times that, really, so it was a bargain if you just agreed, I'm gonna buy a lot here and a house here, and that's gonna be part of you know. I have to pay dues, but I'm joining a golf course. So I'm going to be doing this anyway.
1: Well, I mean, I know it, I know uh,
2: people at I know people at Pinnacle here in Northwest Arkansas that have been members of Pinnacle for 25 years. So why wouldn't you do that at Diamante?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 forgive me. I mean, and I do mean forgive me. But the word failure is not the correct word. It wasn't as successful as other properties, but that's it. It still was very successful, and it's still a wonderful place today.
2: Well, it was successful for us, um, for Cooper. It, I mean, we sold every lot we developed. Well, so these were half successful. acre
1: premiums. The 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 and, go- courses were what, not mm-hmm. Bermuda, or Zoysia. What what I mean, Zoysia it was a, fairway, Zoysia fairway. Beautiful, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord! It's so funny. It feel It just feels different when I'm looking mm-hmm. at a lot or something on on Demonte. De I think you know you can't. Look at the property as an investor, and not think, okay, well, here are these overhead fees for it. But at the same time, they're large, lush yards that no nothing feels compressed or squeezed, and mm-hmm. and they hold beautiful homes quite well, right?
2: Right, and remember, first off, you were buying a, a a lot and a home on the on the number one golf course in the state of Arkansas, according to Golf Digest, and it was ranked the fourth best new course built in the United States in nineteen ninety five
1: see details I didn't know see yeah. I knew that I knew that uh, Isabella came up what 2006 or something 2004 uh, or something the one the Isabella or something.
2: was uh, 2000 is when yeah. it, when we built Isabella 2000.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like 2004, 2005, it was like one of the top
2: five in the United States or whatever. It was rated quite highly after that, too. Yeah, they they were never rated that high in the United States. But when Isabella was built, I think it was eighth best new course in the country. Really? By, really? Golf Digest would rank the top courses built every year. Mm. and and in the country. And that those days, there might have been three or 400 courses built in the United States. And so to be in the top 10 was pretty special. Pretty much of a deal. Well, and Diamante was number
1: four. So. Number four. Oh, I was going to ask. And one last question. We'll have to come back. Would you agree to see us again if you don't mind?
2: Of course. Absolutely.
1: Uh, we, we love having you on. Tell me about Granada. Is Granada the crowning achievement or is it just another nice course or what?
2: Oh, the funny thing about Granada is that um, I'll try to do this quickly. John Cooper Jr. walked into my office one day in, oh, the late 90s, I guess. And maybe been about 2000, 2001. And he said, uh, I've got to go tomorrow and meet with the Hot Springs Village Board of Directors. Um, and I have no idea what could come up. And I said, John, do you want me to go? And he said, no, I want to handle it myself. And he goes, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And I said, well, don't go down there and promise them something. Sure without talking to me first because i don't know what they're up to i have no idea what that board is up to and so he goes down there and he comes in the next morning come after he came back and and he said he said i need to talk to you and i said what what did you do and he said and this is not john the third okay this is john the third's dad this is what did you do (laughs) this is the chairman of the board. And and but I was brash and bold enough that I talked to him that way sometimes. I just said, what did you do? And he said, I promised him we'd build another golf course. And I said, how much did you tell him we would spend? And he said, I don't know. Can we build a course in a clubhouse for three and a half million dollars? And I said, I can do anything, John, but it's probably not going to be the same quality as Isabella or, you know, Diamante. And he said, we'll see what you can do. And that was Granada. And so what we did and we had already planned on having a course there. Yeah. Um, And so what we did is I got with John Paul and and John had the ability to to, you know, use staff members of other golf courses. And and I just said, John, you're going to get a minimal sprinkler system. You're going to get 14 bunkers on the whole golf course. Um, I'm hopefully going to build you 18 greens, although I'm not positive. I'll be able to pull off 18 greens with three and a half million dollars, but I'm going to try. And John goes, let me see if we can help. And so we collaborated with the POA and they upgraded quite a few things on that golf course to make it the golf course that it was. Well, okay. I'm leaving it on you. What is the golf course that it is? Well, I think it's one of the, I don't believe, okay, look, Diamante is my favorite. Really? Period. I built, I designed, and I was responsible for designing and building 11 golf courses with Cooper. And Diamante is still my favorite. Um, It, it, we took that to a different level than any other course that Cooper communities had ever built. And then the ones that came, the ones that came after it were also just as good. I mean, we've had, U.S. Open qualifying in, at Creekmore in Kansas City. Uh, the courses in West Virginia have um, – zo- they have uh, bentgrass fairways. Um, the, uh, the course at South Carolina, Monticello, had 10 of the holes were on the water and had bulkhead around the greens. We did a lot of special things, but Diamante is still my favorite. But look, Granada is an, 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 is an, is an amazing golf course, absolutely.
1: I think part of the views and the vistas are part of it. I think most people, and I know you know because you were literally involved in making it. But was it a 300 acre nature preserve just to the north of us, the the uh, Cooper Preserve?
2: It was about 200. I think it's about 200 acres. But yeah, yeah, that was. uh, I had I had planned to develop all that, and John John decided to give it to uh, the the Nature Conservancy instead. So, but that was okay. Yeah, it was a great, a great idea. it actually was a great idea. The Cooper family always support has supported the nature conservancy in a big way. The nature conservancy and free in
1: church land here in the village we have plenty of churches due to the Cooper Coopers yep. and their generosity. Absolutely. Yeah. Ernie, I've got to run. The clock has caught up with us. We will get back with you. Thanks for catching up and thank your new employer for giving you an hour to spend with us, yeah, okay? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Good to talk to you again. Good talking to you too, Ernie. Talk right. to you next time. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for watching and listening to Hot Springs Village Inside Out, a weekly podcast starring Hot Springs Village, Arkansas. Visit the website at hotspringsvillageinsideout.com.